Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and give them a high five. And if they look wearisome, give them a high five to the face. That bit's important. Wake them up this morning. How's everyone's summer been? How's everyone's summer going? Great. Okay. Oh, it is. It is a new day in so many ways. Just raise your hand if you're going into a new school year. Okay, exciting. Or going into a new job, or you've recently gone into a new job. Anybody? Okay, awesome. Anybody? What else can you do? Anyone taken out a Sky Sports contract recently and ready for the Premier League season? We're ready for the season. I was, I was so pleased I wasn't here last weekend when Bournemouth suffered 9-0 to Liverpool. Oh, man, I struggled. I struggled that day. But, hey, I realize it's just football and doesn't really matter. But then uh, yesterday, I renewed my confidence in football as uh, Bournemouth came back to beat Nottingham Forest. Anyone from Nottingham today? Good. Let's keep it that way, church, all right? <laughs> they are not welcome here. Um, for the one, except for that one, okay? That one supporter that supports Nottingham Forest. Um, anyways, uh, we, we, we kind of, there's a sense today that we are, I can hear a pad going. I was just like, is that heaven? Um, there's a sense that obviously we've got all of these physical transitions going into new seasons, new semesters, new jobs, um, maybe for some new relationships, or maybe there's, you just know that there's a significant change on your radar, on your horizon. Um, and just as I was kind of coming back from holiday this week, I was just thinking, Lord, what do you want me to speak about this morning? Because we don't just want to just do religion. We want to capture what God is saying and try to move people towards his heart. And I just really got this sense of I've got to speak into new seasons because um, obviously, as you're aware, there's a few things changing at Sunny Hill and more changes coming all the time. And uh, really wanted just to speak into what it is to move into new seasons as people, to what it is. How do you move into a new season well? What do you need to think about? What do you need to consider? I've preached at a few places in recent times, and I can't remember what story I've shared here. This is the first time I preached this message, but I, I was sharing a story. It may have been here, but I'm going to share it again, because it is kind of funny, and it brilliantly illustrates um, what I'm talking about this morning. A few years ago, when I went to Denmark, um, I, I, I was going on a conference at a Bible college over there, and uh, I was coming immediately from, I think it was either Uganda or Burma, and um, in my head, Denmark had always been a really hot country in my head. Um, it sounds hot to me, and I don't know why. Um, it always has been, so I always picture Denmark as a, as a beach landscape, somewhere you go and chill out on the beach. I don't know why that is the case. I put it down to my parents' awful upbringing that I experienced um, and my schooling in the West Midlands. But I always had this idea that Denmark was a hot country. So as I came back from Burma, I quickly shuffled stuff from my big suitcase into a small suitcase, and I only shuffled shirts and shorts. And um, I put threw in one pair of socks, and I had my Converse pumps on basically my converse trainers on and I go to the airport and I hop on the plane and I'm ready I've got my sunglasses sun cream sun cap I got it all I'm ready for Denmark I was younger then I think this was before I had children obviously having children grows you up a bit like to the pack where you would google where you're going before you pack for where you're going and I remember being on the plane and coming through the clouds over colding and seeing snow everywhere and my immediate thought was oh pants I'm on the wrong plane so I <laughs> I turned to the person next to me, and I was like, uh, where's this plane going? And they said, Colding, Denmark. And I was like, well, is it like Ice Age? What's happening over here? Like, where's the sun? And they're like, well, it's, it's snowy in Denmark. And literally in that moment, I've had a few moments like that in my life where something foundational shifts in my outlook. 
Um, another one of those moments was when Louise taught me that there was no such thing as a left sock and a right sock. I think I've shared that story before. Where you have that m moment of discovery that there isn't a unique sock for each foot, but you can just whack those bad boys around. It really doesn't matter. And that realization that I'd wasted about six months of my life working out which is the left foot and which is the right foot. When you get home and take your socks off, check it out. It looks like there's a left sock and a right sock. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what you have to say on the matter. But it was, you know, when Louise told me about the sock situation, I rung my mom because I was like, mom, is this real? I'm like 24 at this point. I've been married a couple of years. Yeah, I was 24 because we were in our old, own house. And I was 24 at this point. I said, Mom, Louise is telling me that there's, there's no such thing as a left sock and a right sock. Can you just correct her, please? And she said, of course, there's nothing like that. What are you talking about? And I was just thinking, 24 years, I've lived under this illusion. And Denmark was one of those moments where I, I turned and said, are you sure this is going to Denmark? Because there's snow everywhere. And they said, yeah, it's Denmark. Denmark is a snowy country. And I was like, hold the phone. First of all, that's a big shift for me mentally, but second of all, I've only got shorts and a pair of pumps and shirts for this holiday. And, well, conference, sorry. Um, and so I get off the plane. <laughs> Awkward slip there. Of course, when I go on conferences, I'm just seeking the Lord and working hard. Of course, that's the case. But um, here I was, coming down the steps, onto the snow, and before I even get into the airport, my, my, my shoes are sodden. They're just soaking. And I was just thinking, what do I do? So between the airport and the conference center, I got a taxi into town, realized that Denmark's economy is really strong and everything's really expensive. So I thought, I'm just gonna have to deal with this. So I get to my room in the conference center and I strip the bins of a plastic bag and I put a bag under my socks. <laughs> and that's how I do life for the next four days in Denmark. But there's something about that which I just wanna kind of just pull the veil on. This idea that when you're going into a new season and you're not prepared for it, you have all the wrong things with you. And actually, something really prophetic about that, that as you come into a new season, discerning the season that you're in and discerning the season you're moving into really helps you to flourish in the season. Because actually, if you're in Denmark with a pair of flip-flops, you're woefully ill-prepared. But most of us navigate new seasons in that way. We, we, we take our mindset and our belief system and we take our... I guess, our own expectations and our old flawed thinking, and we take what we needed yesterday into what God is doing today, and it's not fit for purpose. Because there's something that's different when you walk into a new season. And so just want to speak about that just for a few moments today, because, you know, as people, we do time numerically. I don't know who came up with three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock, but it works quite well. We do time like that. You know, if you say we're meeting at three o'clock, I know that roughly means between three and four. I know that. I know that about time because I have more of a God outlook on time than humans do. Okay, because God doesn't view numbers. He views time in seasons. Life comes at you in seasons. You know, it's not just about January and going into a new year, and it's not even about September going into a new school. It's about moving, transitioning into a new season. It's, it's the way of the kingdom, really. And, and it's hard because some of you may have been gone from quite a good season, and now you realize you're walking into quite a difficult season, and there may not be any end in sight right now, but let me just remind you, it is just a season. And in this season, there's an opportunity for you to know God in new ways. There's an opportunity for you to hear God in new ways. There's an opportunity for God to go to work on your character, on your personality, on your thinking, because as you move through seasons, actually, they're a real gift to you. You know, sometimes we fear suffering because we think suffering is evil. 
What we don't realize is sometimes in suffering, it's where we experience God's presence the most. So when we adjust this idea from a nine-to-five mentality of God into a seasonal God, a God who brings seasons into our world, it actually helps us because what we begin to go is, okay, God, what do you want me to learn in this season? What do you want me to see in this season? The funny thing about seasons, if we can have Ecclesiastes 3 up, look at this. This is what Solomon wrote. It's really profound. Uh, Wisest man who's ever lived, right, bar Jesus, uh, but he's the wisest man. Ecclesiastes, this is what he writes about it. He says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. Okay, so we like to celebrate birth. Obviously, we're less excited about death. But in the kingdom, we need not fear death, okay? A time to plant and a time to uproot. There's a time to kill, hopefully not that often in this church. But, but you know, when, when people go to war, there's a time where maybe war can be necessary, maybe. It's a time to kill and there's a time to heal. There's a time to tear down and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. You know, I think sometimes we, we try to move people too quick through seasons because we associate what the season they're walking through as distinctly negative. If they are grieving or mourning, it is not our job to try and get them laughing. Our job is to try and comfort them in the season that they're walking through. So actually, what is it that you are weeping about? And actually, the, the scriptures say is that we grieve together or we weep together and we laugh together. It is not the responsibility of those laughing to get those grieving laughing. It is the responsibility of those laughing to come along empathetically and grieve with those who are grieving. Okay, it's a, there's a time to mourn. So I can just go back one. So time to mourn and there's a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones um, and there's a time to gather them. That talks about there's a time to move home and there's a time to make home. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Very profound words. Solomon eloquently and succinctly summarizes the whole nature of this life that we live on earth. Life comes in seasons. And you don't fast track seasons. You don't get demoted or promoted in seasons. Just seasons of life that come. And some will be joyful. Some will be difficult. Sometimes you will be establishing relationship. Sometimes you will be breaking apart from that relationship because it's now maybe toxic in your life. And, and so ultimately, if we understand, if we just adjust our thinking into God's view of time, it's actually a really strengthening thing for us to receive as Christians. Because what's hard in seasons, when you're in the season you're in, you can't imagine another season. Have you noticed that? And I'm not just talking about spiritually. Do you remember that like heat wave we had? Like just like eight days ago. I mean, if you can't remember that, you've got issues, right? But literally, it was just hot, 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 hot every day. What's the weather today, Louise? Hot! Good, I'll get my, I'll get my Danish clothes on for that then. 
<laughs> get my Denmark suitcase out, all my hot clothes are in there, right? It's almost like you could plan for next week because you knew you were in a hot season. Like you were just confident that every day you got out of bed, it was going to be baking hot, and we were going to struggle with those cheap Argus fans that just push warm air around the room, right? We all knew that. And the hard thing is, is when you're sat on the beach, it's hard to imagine that one day it won't be like this again. You know, when you're sweltering at home and as British people are like, oh, it's too hot. You know, which is just our manner, isn't it? It's too hot today. Just like, we, we can't imagine Christmas season. We can't imagine when it's bitterly cold. And so, oh, it just needs to chill out. It's too hot at night. I can't sleep. I just can't sleep. I don't want to take them in because I'm a bit like that as well, to be honest. But then the cold season comes. We're like, it's too cold. I just want the sun. And, like, you know, when, when, the, when the snow comes or when the, when the icy days come and your car won't start, you can't imagine sitting on the beach at Sandbanks going in the sea because it's really hard to kind of live out of season. It's really hard to picture another season coming. But let me just say this is that, like, the season is not your enemy. It's actually a gift. And if you can begin to see the season you're in and the season you're coming into as a gift, it is a game changer because every, in every season there's an opportunity. So look at this. This is so cool. Isaiah 43. Look at this. I'm going to start with verse 18 if that's all right. Can I have verse 18 please, Richard? God says this to the people of God, okay, through his prophet Isaiah. Speaking in the Old Testament, so this is before Jesus came. This is what God is saying. This is God's words, not Isaiah's words. This is God's words to his people. What's the first word? Forget the former things. Forget the last season, basically. Okay, because God surprisingly knows how you're wired. And he knows that often when we enjoy a season, we don't like to leave the season. When we've had a good time, obviously, who would want to go into the next thing? So God has to speak to his people in crisis. In Isaiah 43, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the what? Past. If you were to kind of interpret that in modern language, dwell, to live, on the past, in the past. Do not live in the past. There are Christians all up and down this country Living in the past. Living in the heyday of what was. Maybe living in the suffering of what was. But the Lord goes on to say this. Can you throw up the next verse, please, Richard, if possible? See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? We'll get into that in a minute. I'm making a way where in the wilderness and streams where in the wasteland verse 20 says next one please is there another one you don't have it okay what do you what were you waffling under your mouth there louise oh what, what does it say can you say it please the wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because i provided water in the desert okay that's good so god <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to take the mic yeah that, that's enough from you no one wants to hear any more from your mouth. Back to me. <laughs> what are you chatting about? Oh, anyway, we'll get into that later, Caleb. No one cares. That's an old season, Caleb. Forget the former things, man. Forget the former things. So go back to verse uh, 18, please. Verse 18, please. 
Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Don't live on the past. Okay, so typically when we hear this preached, and I know I've communicated something to this end before, but I need us to hear it in the context of seasons. We go, forget the former things. We normally speak that when we are trying to get people to become uncoupled from, from trauma. Yeah, have you, have you heard it given in that context? That like, you come through a hard season, forget the former things. You know, or you've come out of a difficult relationship, or, uh, you know, you've been uh, locked in addiction, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. And I have no problem with that application at all, and I think that's a really, it's a really healthy way to view that passage. But the problem with viewing it like that is we, we forsake the context of which God is actually painting. And we, we see that in verse 16. Can you have a look at what God says to them first? This is what the Lord says. So just to reiterate, God's saying this, not Isaiah. He who made a way through the sea, who did that? The Lord. And a path through mighty waters, who did that? Obviously, what he's speaking about now is the Exodus. Okay, so Moses hits a body of water, and God makes a dry way through a wet place. Do you see that? You need to see this in order to track with my thinking. Look at what verse 17 said. Who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Okay, God is speaking to his people. He's saying, do you remember that? Do you remember the Exodus? Do you remember that glorious high point in our history? Do you remember that seismic memory, that core memory that fundamentally makes up the people that we are, that Exodus that many people will think about, read about, sing about in years to come? These are going to be the stories you pass on to your children, to your grandchildren, to their grandchildren. Okay, these great, brilliant things, verse 18, verse 18, forget isn't that mental? This is what I wrote here. The biggest threat to your future might not be the last worst thing that happened to you, but the last best thing that happened to you. That's crazy, isn't it? The biggest threat to your next season may be the last brilliant thing that God did for you. That God did through you. I feel like there's, that's really it. I just think like, oh my gosh. That is literally a Denmark moment. That is literally what? There is no left and right sock? God wants us to forget good things? Of course, of course, we should keep it in our memory. But as soon as, as soon as those good things become our postcode for our future, as soon as we see them as the street we now live on, it means that as a church we get stuck. We get stuck in a moment. And actually what we end up doing is we, we take oxygen away from the next gen we take opportunity away from the next gen because we're so fixated on the church that we knew growing up. Like the, the, what was the amazing, oh, do you just remember back in the day when, you know, that Billy Graham would do those crusades or we'd just do those kind of worships in the parks and all this sort of stuff. And it's amazing. And praise God for what he did. But as soon as we set up our camp there, 
God moves in seasons. God only moves in seasons. Man, the blessing of God in that season was amazing. And so what do we take from that, that season? A belief. A belief that God is a good God. But what do we take into new seasons? Listen to this. New behaviors. Your beliefs remain. Your behaviors change. I was thinking about this uh, when it comes to raising kids. Caleb, as an example, come here, Caleb. He's such a delight. Amazing. This is my... Ah, okay. Soup. Okay, cool. So, my belief is that Caleb is a gift from God to be loved. That's my belief. Okay? And anyone who disagrees with that, I know he can be challenging at times. I get it, church. I get it. <laughs> okay. Shut up. Right, okay. Now, Caleb as a baby, season one. My belief is he's a gift from God. He's to be loved. But season one, my behavior, cuddles and kisses, right? And we march to his demands. Because you can't, you can't reason with a three-month-old. When they cry, good luck, John and Sophie. When they, when they decide to go for it, you're kind of like, okay. Because if you sit them down as a three-month-old and go, this has really got to stop. <laughs> Serious. You see that window over there? <laughs> I've never thought that ever. You know, even when Caleb had colic. But this idea that, like, if you saw me as a three-month-old trying to stand, go and get it yourself. Don't be so lazy. If my behavior does, like, you understand, my belief is consistent. He's a gift to be loved, but my behavior is this. Actually, he calls the shots initially. And then there's a swing that happens. So let's go into season two. Caleb is a toddler. Cuddles and kisses still. Now he marches to hard demands. Now some of you are still grappling with this one. I know it. Because it's easier said than done. But now it's about bringing him up and instructing him to understand, of course, there's times where we respond and stuff like that. I'm not saying we just say, no, you will do this. But ultimately, the idea is that as you raise a toddler, listen, your job as a parent is not to make your child happy. It's to make them godly. Okay, that's your job in God. And so being a toddler is about no understanding. Actually, it's not all about you actually, because as you can begin to reason, you should reason with your child and help them understand, not just begin to behave differently without them understanding, but teaching them the way in which they should go, training them. Okay, now Caleb now, this is like, let's say season 11, going to school, listen, cuddles and kisses welcome, <laughs> but not enforced. Okay, because it kind of becomes weird if I start forcing a kiss on him, if he's like, Dad, no. And I'm like, no, you will have a kiss. Mwah. Although when I dropped you off at St. Mark's, I often did that because it made me laugh and he hated it. I like, Caleb, I love you so much. How will I get through this day without you at school in my arms? But there's a sense that like now, you want a cuddle? You, oh, gosh, thanks, man. Fortunately, he's very affectionate. affectionate. And kisses welcome but not enforced. And listen, demands are discussed, reasoned, understood, executed, sometimes with hiccups. 
my belief is consistent, but my behavior responds to the season I'm in. So the moment your child starts to grow, if you're still treating them like a baby, you're really going to ruin the next season. Have to think seriously about the season you're in. Listen to this. You can go and sit down. Love you, bud. Isaiah, when he says, um, forget the former things, one of the things he says, which is crucial to that, is, see, I am doing a new thing. Basically, Isaiah is saying it's about vision. It's about perception. You can't have vision if you're dwelling on the past. Because vision is about what's coming. It's about the future. It's what you're moving into. And if you're dwelling on the past, you're looking back and it's mixed allegiances. So as the church, let me just say this. We don't fear change. We embrace it, understanding that God never changes, but seasons do. This is what Louise kind of alluded to at the start. 1 Chronicles 12.32, as David is building his army, we read about these guys from Issachar. It says, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Understanding the season helps you understand what you should do in the season. Totally important. Okay, now I need to fast track. Ben, do you want to come on up, please? In Mark 2, check this out. We see that Jesus deals with this um, season clash. And it's quite obvious when you look at it. And often we do miss it. But Mark 2, verse 18, listen to this. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Okay, that's a, that's a, noble, that's a noble thing. That's a, that's a good habit. That's a good discipline. And some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples fast and the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Okay, they had this tradition. They had this practice. And they couldn't understand why Jesus' disciples weren't practicing the same disciplines as them. And Jesus responds with this in verse 19. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot. So as long as they have him with them. So basically, Jesus is saying is that like there is a time for fasting and there's a time for feasting. Okay, now the Pharisees, we know they nurtured religious spirits ultimately. And so Jesus kind of tells them, look in verse 20, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and on that day they will fast. There will be a season where this is an appropriate response, but right now this is not that season. Religious religion stifles the move of God. It, it stifles the next season. And, and I wrote here, I don't know whether I've, I did send the quote through, I don't know whether we've got it on the screen. But how did the Pharisees miss, miss it? Listen to this. The things that were instituted to serve their relationship with God became their idol, and it meant that they missed God himself standing before them. There's this idea that like ultimately it's easy for our religious practices and our habits to actually supersede Christ. But it's never been about practice. It's never been about habits. It's never been about disciplines. It's always been about Jesus. And when Jesus is number one, of course, fasting is awesome. I'm not trying to downplay fasting. Fasting is brilliant and we should do it. But something that Jesus is challenging here is you're living in the wrong season. There's a time for fasting, but now is a time for feasting. And they couldn't see it. But I love the next thing that Jesus says. And this is the bit I just want you to take home. Verse 21, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear 
worse. That kind of makes sense, right? No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So listen to this. What is new wine? New wine is the new thing that God is doing. New wine is a new outpouring. New wine is the new season of the Spirit. The new wine is the new blessing. Okay? That's the new wine. Put your hand up if you would like the new wine. I want the new wine. I'm all about the new wine. Now, what are we talking about when we look at wineskins? It says, new wineskins for new wine. Well, in Greek, the word canus, when it says new, it doesn't mean completely new. It means renewed. It means, it means made new, not thrown away. It means refreshed, not forgotten. Now, here's potentially another Denmark moment for you, okay? We normally think of the new wineskin as a new structure. But it's not that. Because let me tell you, God does not pour new wine into new structures. God pours his new wine into people. Listen to that. You are the wineskin. This is what Jesus is saying. Think about the context. The Pharisees and John's disciples grappling over the issue of fasting. And Jesus talks about the need to have a new wineskin or to be a new wineskin. It wasn't that Jesus was throwing away John's disciples and the Pharisees. In fact, Jesus says, how I long to gather you in like a mother hen gathers in a chicks. Actually, what Jesus is saying, if you are just willing to be renewed, it's really important kind of thought as we think about this because he wants to renew you. He wants to make you new. He wants to refresh you. And this wouldn't have been wasted on the audience as Jesus was speaking because the process of making a wineskin new, like I say, it wasn't throwing it away. Do you know what it was? It was bathing it and baptizing and, and immersing it in oil. Because what what the wineskin owner would want to do is make the wineskin flexible again, to make it malleable again, to make it soft again. Wineskins become rigid. And when they are rigid, when you try to pour the new thing in, they tear, there's destruction. And so if you owned a wineskin, you wouldn't just discard it. What you would do is you would put it in a bowl of oil and you would just immerse it until the wineskin softens and it becomes more like soft leather again and is able to expand with the fermentation process of wine. And that's really important because the propensity in church, like I say, is when you live in the wrong season, is to become increasingly religious. And what that leads to is a rigidity. And what that leads to is a stiffness. And what that leads to is a rejection of the next season and the new wine that God is wanting to pour out. But simply, God is saying that you can be made new. How does it happen? It only happens by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the thing that stops us from becoming a monument and remain a movement. Monuments are rigid. 
They're like statues, aren't they? The whole purpose is just to stand still and be a point of honor. Wow, wasn't that man or woman amazing? Wow, wasn't that season brilliant? But the church was never meant to become a monument to what God had done. The church is called to be a movement to serve what God is doing. Being soft-hearted. So just to challenge you in that. As we think about seasons, I was thinking, what are the lessons or the keys I want to give to you? And, you know, maybe there's some clever things. You know, I was thinking about when I was praying for Caleb and Sam and Aaliyah, actually, when they were off to school on Friday. I prayed for them, Lord, help them to behave, (laughs) uh, help them to be wise, and help them to be teachable. And maybe those are three thoughts to take into your next season. Behave. Think about your behavior. Think about being wise and think about being teachable. But actually, I think more than all of that, be totally dependent on the Spirit of God. Allow His Spirit to saturate every facet of your life and your mentality. The Holy Spirit is the biggest antidote to a stuck life. The Holy Spirit moves. Jesus says that to Nicodemus. Blows where he wills. He will come and he will move. You can't control the Spirit. You can just receive the Spirit. You can be led by the Spirit. You can be filled with the Spirit, but you cannot control the Spirit of God. And the thing is, is that when a church is yielded to that understanding, and when a church is surrendered fully, just like Colin said, to the anointing of oil, that's what that song's about. Anoint your church with oil. It's saying, anoint us again with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us again with your presence, that we would remain soft-hearted, soft-minded, and ready for the next season that you have for us. You see, with things changing here at Sunny Hill, you know, with Jake and Sophie stepping down, you know, me and Louise have just discerned that we're in a new season as a church, and we're sad, of course, and we celebrate, of course. But I'm totally expectant, totally excited, because I don't just see the loss. I actually see the opportunity before us. I see the season we're coming into and actually going... Jake and Sophie have been amazing, but there was a day that we didn't have Jake and Sophie. Now, what are we going to look back in five years and say, there was a day we didn't have this? Because that's what it means being a movement, cultivating a life saturated by the Spirit, resisting and rejecting the pull of legalism and religiosity and coldness and just habits and routines and disciplines and actually allowing the Holy Spirit just to saturate your very being, your walk with Him completely, allowing Him to anoint you with His oil. A new season. A new season. A new season. It's like the key to helping your marriage is not a new marriage. (laughs) It's a renewed marriage. It's a marriage that has chosen together to be yielded and saturated by the work of the Holy Spirit. The key to the challenging relationship with children is not new children or more children. We really stuffed up these three. Let's have another three and see if we can do better. It's renewed parenting. It's renewed parenting. The the key to a life-giving work um, vocation or career is not necessarily a new place of work. It's a renewed mindset. God is about renewing, not discarding. And like you may have had a brilliant season, but just if you live in the past and you're unable to kind of forget that, 
then you miss it. And let me tell you why, and I will end now because I have to. Can you just put up Isaiah 43 one more time? Let me just drop this with you, and then band, come on up, because then that's accountability, isn't it? Then we are forced to end. So band, come on up. Can, is it possible to have, yeah, look at this, okay. One more time. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, to um, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Next one. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Look at this. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Just quickly, understand what God's saying here. Listen to me. Don't look at them. I'm much better looking. Watch me. Okay? I'm not really. Pete is a stud. Okay? But just listen to me for a moment. Isaiah, God through Isaiah, listen to this, this is so cool. This is so cool. God is saying, do you remember when I bought the path through the waters? Forget the former things. Why? Because I'm bringing waters through the dry places. How cool is that? That like God was doing something so new that it was almost a complete inverse of everything they'd known. So it's like the, the opposite. Before, you celebrate me making a driveway through the ocean. Now I'm bringing an ocean through the driveway. And if you constantly think I'm moving this way, then you're going to mix the next thing that I'm doing, the new wine that I'm pouring out. And I don't pour wine into buildings. I don't pour wine into postcodes. I pour wine into people. 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 You are the wineskin. And this morning, God is inviting us by his Holy Spirit to be renewed by his Spirit. To be renewed, to be made new, to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit. To be soft-hearted again. To, to resist and reject the notion of religiosity and just same old, same old. And understand, Lord, I don't always understand what the next season is. And there are so many unknowns. But one thing I know to be true is that you have already gone before me. And that you're there behind me. And that you're there beside me. And I know that you are a good God. And so I trust wholly in who you are. I trust wholly in what you're doing. And so even though I may not understand it, as I follow your spirit, I am all in. Totally devoted, totally committed because you've never failed me before. Everything I took from the last season was a belief. God, you were faithful then and God, you'll be faithful now. My belief was when we hit an ocean and there was no way, you made a way. So I know you're a way-making God and I know that you're going to make a way again. That season when like there was the enemy and it was oppressing us and chasing us. God, you dealt with them. So I know that you're an enemy dealing God. That is my belief. But I understand now in this season, I may need to start behaving in a different way, even though my beliefs stay the same. Amen? So for those of you this morning, we're going to sing that new song again. But for those of you this morning who just want to respond to that and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to renew me this morning. Stand to your feet where you are. Come on, we're just going to have a response moment this morning. And if you don't want this, I don't know why you wouldn't. God is doing a new thing in a new way in renewed people. A new thing in a new way in renewed people. God doesn't need to look for new people to do the new thing in. He just needs to find, like Colin said, a people who are surrendered and willing and open-hearted and open-handed to receive what it is that he wants to do. So if that is you, why don't you just open your hands as a sign of surrender this morning and commitment as I pray, and then we're going to sing this song again, and I really want to challenge you this morning. Let, it, let us lift the roof off in worship. 
Let us come with a sacrifice of praise. Let us come with a sense of confidence because our belief is that God is good. And so as we declare those words that are found in Psalm 23, that actually he would anoint his church with oil, that he would actually renew us, that we would feel the immersion of his spirit, and, and that actually we would be softened, and that we would become increasingly flexible and agile and expectant for, expectant for the next season. So Father God, right now, in Jesus' name, Lord, I just invite your Holy Spirit to come in a new way, God. Come and refresh and renew your people. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. God, I thank you, Father, Lord, that your Spirit is still at work, Lord, that your Spirit is still changing lives, that your Spirit is still building churches, that your Spirit is still working in communities. Lord, you have not changed. And God, so often, Lord God, the problem is we don't change, Lord. We just stay the same. We get stuck in a rut. But Father, this morning, we just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would come and say, Saturate us afresh, Lord, like wineskins that are becoming increasingly solid and rigid and inflexible. Lord, I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would soften us, Lord God, and that we would just feel a softening on the inside of us, replacing hearts of stone with hearts of flesh, God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, an outpouring, a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit on these people, on us this morning, on Sunny Hill Church, on your church, Lord. God, I just pray, Father, that there would be a fresh openness and a fresh willingness and a fresh yielding to your spirit this morning, God. Father, we want you. We want you, Lord. God, we want you. We want the new wine, Lord. We want to receive the new wine. We want to receive the new season, Lord. We want you. We want you. And so, God, we thank you for making a way in the sea, and we thank you for dealing with our enemy. But, God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in this next season, stuff we can't even imagine, stuff we can't even begin to expect, Stuff that God is beyond our comprehension. But Lord God, we know that we read it in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Father, I pray God this morning that as we are softened by your spirit and as we yield you to your presence, Lord God, that you would do a new thing in your people for your glory. And all God's people said, and all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. And let's use this song as our response and the cry of our heart. Come on.